0: Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you can tell to try to answer any automotive questions you may have, just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the
1: area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States
0: this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We appreciate hearing folks all around the country, all around the world, wherever you may be.
1: There you go. And use the world code
0: 01. That's right. And you can get us from anywhere around the world this morning. <laughs> Absolutely. We're just sitting here ready to go. Got all our lines wide open. That's it. Just now's the perfect time. Yeah. Mine's fresh, man. Head full of information. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you don't call in, then you go going to hear just the normal. Just babbling back and forth. Just babbling back and forth with normal pattern. So, all right. uh, you know, it's just not, not a threat. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just a comment. <laughs> I mean, just comment. Just comment. There you go. Got a lot of feedback last week. We did a show on changing brake fluid out Uh and got a lot of email on that. Everything from I didn't realize that this needed to be done right? to, well, you know, I've had it done, but I think the guy didn't do it correctly. Yeah. Contaminated fluid. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, maintenance is a great thing so long as it is done properly. Correctly. If it's done improperly, it may be no better than not doing it at all. Or worse. And in some cases, it can actually cause damage. Yep. So, yeah, you want to make sure make sure that you do get your maintenance done properly. And that starts out by selecting the right shop to do that. Because not every shop is equally trained, equipped, or has the philosophy to take care of
1: maintenance. Needs. Exactly. And if you're going to try to do it yourself, make sure you get all the information up front. Get all your stuff together before you try to attempt some kind of service without having everything you need
0: yeah well a lot of times things seem very very simple and most of the time i have found particularly in the automotive business when something seems simple is probably because you don't have enough information exactly because (laughs) there's really very very little that is simple anymore yeah and certainly more so now than even in the past let's go to our phone lines we got jimmy online good morning jimmy
2: Hey, good morning, Lewis. Thank you for taking my call. You I bet. I've got a Nissan X-Terra overheat uh-huh. model. Okay. And a uh, check engine light come on I brought it up to the uh, parts place and use their code reader, and they come up with a P-0174. Okay. That in- intake air leak. Mm-hmm. Do you know of anything that uh, this Nissan X-Terra is notorious for? Is there anything that's gonna, that you know, they, they lean toward on that code? Jimmy, has anybody worked
0: on it before? Has it had any y'all, kind of worked y'all on, y'all on have, it?
2: Uh, y'all worked on it a couple of years ago. I mean recently. No, yeah. not recently.
0: A lot of times, that's a vacuum leak somewhere, and if someone's yeah. worked on it, a lot. Nissan does have an issue where their rubber tends to get real brittle after a few years, and if you start moving things around, you can crack one of those lines or something. But it'll generally the lights will come on pretty much right away. It's not going to be something that two years later is going to show up. But yeah. I would suspect something like that. Now you're almost going to have to have it checked because. A lot of things can give you a code like that. For instance, if the airflow meter is dirty and it doesn't know.
2: Mass airflow sensor, that's what you're talking about? Yeah.
0: If if it's dirty and it doesn't know how much air is truly going in there, it may think there's too much air. Relative to what it sees. Just a can of
2: mass airflow sensor cleaner, I can do that myself. Right. right? You
0: might try that. Jimmy, raise the hood and when the engine running and see if you hear any kind of hissing noise or sizzling noise or anything like that. I mean, do all the stuff you can do yourself. If you just can't find it, let me know.
2: I mean, even yeah. something like a bad
0: oxygen sensor that's reading off range can cause something yeah, but that's,
2: like, that's probably not common, though, the, uh, the oxygen sensor, right? It can do it. It can do yeah. it. Or even a cracking exhaust I, I, I hit, somewhere.
0: cracking exhaust yeah. manifold can leak air into the exhaust, and the sensor picks that up. There's too much air in, in the right. exhaust. So, right.
2: I mean, so now, many I, things. I I did notice one other thing, and that that is this little vehicle is always idle too high for for my taste. It it just always seemed like it idled too high. Mm -hmm. It's really it's up there now at when it's in gear about 850 RPMs, Uh, and in park it it idles at a a warm engine now 1,000 RPMs. So that's that's a little high.
0: That does sound high, but see that's being commanded by the computer. So you'd have to go in see what the inputs are to the computer, make sure you don't have an input that's improper. And if you do correct that, if all the inputs are good and the command is too high, then you got something like a PCM problem. And that can happen, particularly as vehicles get older. It just kind of loses this calculation and it starts idling it up higher and higher. But it's not anything that you can adjust or anything that anything else is going to, even something like a vacuum leak wouldn't make it idle high. It would just cut the fuel back to to match it, the air that's getting into it, because it knows how much air is in there, even if it's not correct. So it's combined at 100% by the computer. You may even have a PCM that's starting to fail. Jimmy, we have put a few PCMs in those you know, where it just goes bad. So check for all the common stuff. Make sure you don't have a vacuum leak. Clean the mass airflow meter. If it persists, then I'd say get it in. Let's take a look. Okay.
2: Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Bye-bye. All right. is the number. If you going part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got John's been patient holding. Good morning, John.
3: Uh, it's John from Toronto calling again. Hey, John. Good morning. Further question, I had emailed you after the show last weekend Mm -hmm. about brake fluid, and uh, the fellow that installed my brake fluid used a bulk container. Mm -hmm. And I was concerned, uh, and we talked about moisture, uh, because those containers are, I guess, probably impossible to really seal properly. I was wondering if there is uh, anything I saw. I looked on one of the sites, and... They, they say they have testers that you can test for moisture. I wonder they do. if that would be the way to check it before draining out what's in it.
0: You could do that. John, there's a, two or three different ways to test it. The easiest are some little test strips they make, and you just put it into the fluid, and it'll turn a different color. Those are usually easy to work. There's also what they call a refractometer, which is an optical device that can see the light going through. It can determine that. And the third one is with some type of pH meter that can measure moisture content. Those are kind of notorious for not being super accurate, unless you got a very, very, very expensive, like a lab-quality one. So, yeah, you could do that. And, again, you know, simply being in a bulk container doesn't necessarily mean it's contaminated, because if he goes through a tremendous amount of fluid, let's say he's buying gallon containers, but he's using that gallon up in less than two or th- every two or three days, and he's keeping it tightly capped and in a... You know, low humidity environment that would probably be okay, but yep. if he's got a gallon can and this that lasts him for two months and it's sitting there with the top off, then that's a big problem. You know.
3: I hear you. Yeah. Well, I just thought this might be the simple way. Is I like the idea. The strip is just asking him if either he has a testing yeah. method or can. Or can we get a strip and put it in and just test it to
0: see as you Yeah, generally test. you have to buy a little container of maybe 40 or 50 at a time. They don't generally sell one little strip. And they're not yep. terribly expensive, but I want to say 25, 30 bucks for a thing of 50. But the sure. problem is that would last you your next You're, three lifetimes. Right. <laughs> well,
3: no, I, I, I'm going to ask him if he has it or he yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. And if he's, if he's negative to it and it's going to cost more than this strip, I'll just go somewhere else and just get them put three more uh, containers of fluid in i guess if i just did flush it uh, once that would probably
0: be enough yeah i think one container a paint container run through it would flush it out Since it's not going to be super okay. contaminated and you might just want to bring your own brake fluid if he's a if he's uh, amicable to that, some well, people. i that
3: with the oil and uh, mm-hmm. transmission fluid and and antifreeze. It's not... I thought I could get by, but I thought I could get by with the brake fluid. Yeah, you're yeah. not
0: trying to save money. <laughs> you're just trying to make sure the right stuff gets put in your car.
3: Exactly. I mean, he argues that I don't. I, I shouldn't go and buy Honda oil. It's not as good as whatever he has, Valvoline or whatever. And I keep telling them that I don't want to switch it because, you know, you told me the stories about yeah. how you, that one where you had where you switched oil and it started burning oil. That's
0: right. That can and happen. That if we've
3: you... got a Honda Accord. Christie's uh, Honda Accord's got uh, 200,000 kilometers, uh-huh. so, 50 miles or so, uh-huh. or 20 miles rather. But yeah. it's it, those, oh, wait, accords were bad for burning oil hers doesn't burn a drop but i always get her to get the honda oil yeah it in yep. it. I, uh, so I don't want to start playing games and end up with just that kind of thing you know? right
0: and yeah you know, i've, I've know. got several vehicles none i've never had a vehicle i had an oil consumption problem and i've always used the same oils in them but i've got lots and lots of customers who do have them where they jump around they'll go from one place to the next place to the next place getting oil changed and you know all, all that i know of on the market is good it all meets standards and everything it's just not all necessarily compatible You know, they all use different additive packages, and if you get something that's incompatible, it can, you know, kind of mess with that seal that the oil forms, and you can end up with an oil consumption problem in many, many cases. Didn't you
3: say that you had a a customer that worked at Exxon, and that he went through that, and he explained to you how they they, they found out better that by switching the oil that it does cost?
0: He told me, he said he wouldn't even mix gasoline brands. Yeah, he's a petroleum engineer, and... I got to admit, I do, depending on what I can get, I try to stay with Exxon Mobil because I like their products. But if, if Shell is the only thing around, I'll use Shell, or I might use, who knows, uh, BP. As long as one of the majors, I use it. But he says, in his opinion, he wouldn't even mix those. All the additive packages are not necessarily the same. And he told me a humorous story years ago where they were blending some oil, and the wrong additive got in, and they gelled an entire tank of oil. Went to draw a sample, opened the... Spigot and nothing came out.
3: <laughs> I remember. I remember that. Yeah, had had to clean I that act, entire I, big I thing. I told you before. I told you before. I worked distributor for Exxon for their uh, to do with their other industrial chemicals mm-hmm. and what have you. And that uh, I went. I toured that facility in, in Baton Rouge. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's big plant. They're so careful. I mean, these big corporations. They don't play. So you know, to say don't buy. Uh, I, it's probably Exxon Oil that's in the Honda can It could could be I know oil, this stuff's not as good as somebody else I'm saying yeah don't
0: give me a <laughs> Yeah that the products that go to the dealers are actually made manufactured locally and there's Honda will get a contract with Exxon yeah. Mobil or with BP or whomever and in each region they give them the specifications and they make a product to their specifications so right. just because it's made by somebody else doesn't mean anything it's still made exactly to their specifications but yeah they don't well, they don't say. ship all right. worldwide
3: I must say, I trust the Exxon or sorry, the Honda engineers. They probably make one of the best engines in the world. Oh yeah. To pick uh, an oil that's not going to cause me problems.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right.
3: I don't listen to somebody that's uh, an oil jockey telling me which one they use.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. You know, anytime you get advice, you got to say, "Who is this guy? You know, what's his yeah, qualifications, right. and and what's his life experiences, and yeah. all that sort of thing." I see people giving out advice all the time. You know.
3: Yeah. It's free.
0: Yeah, free advice. <laughs> Get what you pay for. That's, it. that's, that's,
3: that's even in Canada. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Miss John. Uh, guys, really nice talking to you. Nice thanks talking to you, me, too. Thank you. Okay,
0: bye. Bye-bye. All right, got to take a quick little break, and, hey, we'll be right back with a whole lot more. No, if more
3: you love.
4: ever plan to go west.
5: Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh no, it's Falon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know, appointments with Falon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Falon. He will put it under his pillow for a week and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. It seems like old Falon has quite a gig going.
6: Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape.
5: So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too.
6: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. welcome back if you just join us the automotive
0: hour i'm your host lewis Albazan with mr brian terry hey Food Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have just give us a call our number is 291-6901 there you go that's it
1: and we were talking about brake fluid service and brake fluid right and we kind of went over most last of, week. of that kind last of recapped week. a little yeah. bit
0: and you know it just doesn't end necessarily with brake fluid when you start talking about brake service in general again it's Seems like a very, very simple thing until you start to get into all the little nuances. One of the, the top things that we see that cause problems, people buy aftermarket brake pads, not realizing many times the OEM pad is no more expensive right, or only a little bit more expensive. And, and it's so much better. OEM pads are designed specifically for yeah. a certain vehicle.
1: For that application.
0: You know, a Honda a Card EX may have a different pad from an LX. Correct. It's got a specific pad designed for the exact application, perfect coefficient of friction, whereas aftermarket pads for the most part are a general pad, it comes out on a big, huge sheet, they cut it in a little slip and they put it on back different backings. But if you get a Chevy pickup truck or a Honda a car, you may get the same pad material, just on different backings. Exactly. It's not designed specifically for the car. So one of the things you always want to make sure is you're getting the OEM pad material you it's just it's just way cheaper because you're not gonna have the problems it's not gonna squeak and squeal it's not right. gonna turn your wheels black and you got to figure the original pads probably lasted
1: 80 90 thousand miles in most cases
0: yeah some, sometimes way over hundred thousand uh, if you treat them properly and you know the second thing is with brake rotors now brake rotors are a little bit different depending right. on where you live exactly and we're gonna get into that we'll go back to our phone i've got patrick online good morning patrick
7: Good morning, guys. By the way, I love the commercials, man. Oh. They give me a, a giggle every time I get <laughs> oh, Thank
0: you. Thank you.
7: But um, yeah, speaking of brake pads, and, uh, that's not why I called, but mm-hmm. uh, my wife had an 05 Suburban. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got when we sold that thing at 315,000 miles, we had never, ever, ever changed a brake pad. Right. It got to to be the point that when we would go get new tires or rotate the tires or whatever, all the guys in the shop would just kind of gather around to see, is today the day? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it never happened. It never, yeah. ever happened. Oh, yeah. and, you know, now I, I had a Ford, uh, the Ford that I had, you know, seems like I went through brake pads every 50,000 miles. But, yeah, some, um, anyway. for a while
0: there, Ford had some problems with the brake pads. I think they've got that mostly worked yeah. out on some of the newer models. But, yeah, if you're fairly... Easy driver, and you do a lot of highway driving, man. Brake pads yeah, can last a long, last long, long, long time. time. Now, if you drive all in town where you're constantly stopping the vehicle, and particularly if you're, you know, we have some customers just they just one, hard yeah. hard on brakes, man. One foot on the floor the whole time. Yeah, they got they got two pedals, they had two feet, and one of them's on the floor all yeah. the time.
7: Listen, listen. <laughs> well, thank thank God she wasn't like that. But she was a <laughs> single foot driver, daddy told her right. Well, there but, you go. This is why I called. I've got a uh, 2013 a F-150 crew cab uh, mm-hmm. with a 302 in it or the coyote Chi- engine in it or whatever. The problem that I'm having, it's been happening for about 60,000 miles, and I was just kind of figured the, the transmission was going out. But what is going on is in third gear, as it goes through the cycle of shifting, when it goes through third gear, it gets there, and it feels like it wants to shift, but then it doesn't. It slides back down and, and, get, and goes a little bit more and then shifts yeah what is that
0: most of the time patrick and, and i would have to do a pressure test and have a scan tool on it to confirm this but most of the time the valve body is starting to wear in it it's got a real weird setup in my opinion on that one it's got an aluminum valve body and it's got steel valves in it and they don't just move on and off like old cars did they have a pulse and they they're constantly moving and if you get any debris in the fluid at all, you got a piece of steel, which is real hard, and you got a piece of aluminum, which is real soft. If one little tiny speck of grip gets in there and it's constantly moving, it tends to wear the valve body out. When it does, the fluid kind of leaks past that valve. So when it gets you're know, right in that range where it's trying to go, it doesn't make a smooth shift off on, so the fluid's running past the valve and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that is it, that's the only thing that can cause it, but that is one fairly common cause for that. And, of course, that is a major, major deal. How many miles do you have on it?
7: Right now, 130,000. And that's kind of the attitude I took that, you know, more than likely it was going to be tear the transmission apart, rebuild, or something right. like of that sort. So I was just kind of waiting for it to progressively get worse, hoping that it didn't, like... You know, just all of a sudden get worse. You yeah. Know? Now, have it's you have you had, had it? First. Have you had it
0: serviced? Change the fluid and filtering? I have it.
7: Yeah, about seventy thousand miles, we uh, replaced, uh, dropped the off, uh dropped the pan, mm-hmm. and replaced the filter, and then and, and did that. You know, and it's getting. Okay. It's at one hundred thirty, so it's about time to do it again. Yeah, I would say but, uh,
0: keep keep that fluid good and clean, and you may be able to continue to drive it that way for a long ways. I mean, you'll know it'll start skipping a gear or, or it'll start flaring, flaring. You know, Something. between shifts. Yeah. When that happens, then yeah, you're probably in, and at that kind of mileage, I would probably just go with a remanufactured transmission because to buy that valve body is just ludicrous. I mean, I want to say that thing is about $1,400, $1,500 bucks just for the part, and then plus the whole transmission's got to come apart, and it's got to be programmed and all that. So if you got yeah. that many miles on the rest of the unit, yeah, you're probably better off just go with a reman transmission.
7: Yeah. So, uh, the other thing too, you know, you guys were talking about oil a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I've ever really used for years is, uh, the, the mobile one synthetic. Right. Uh, whatever weight the engine required. Right. And we always, always, always got great service out of all, all of our, you know, we get, we we buy a vehicle and we literally drive it to, you know, the wheels yeah. fall
0: off. Yeah, well, of until you're tired of it. You know, and, uh, you just get tired of looking at it after a while.
7: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, I uh, gotta tell you what, the expensive they are right now, once they get paid off, it, and encouragement to keep on what you got. Oh, to absolutely. It, so.
0: Absolutely. You had a guy came in the other day, put a uh, put a new motor in his vehicle, and it ended up, it was about a $7,000 deal. He says, man, that ain't nothing. He says, you know what a new Suburban costs? Shoot. I mean, it's hundred grand. Yeah. He says, if I can put that's a motor in this and get three more years out of it, I'm, that's cheap, cheap, man. <laughs> my son,
7: my, I feel like my dad, my son the other day, was talking about the truck he wanting and stuff, and he said it was $68,000. I laughed. I said, you know, my first house cost me 64 Yeah,
3: huh? So, oh, yeah. You know, that's that's
7: where we're at. So. That's crazy. Well, well, gentlemen, thank you for your program. I love the commercials. Keep them coming and enjoy it. All right, Patrick. Thank thanks you. for calling, man. Hi,
0: right, bud. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive fire. And we mentioned before, you know, you can get by with a less expensive aftermarket rotor, so long as a couple of criteria. One is if you know what the word road salt means uh-huh <laughs> then you'll know then you probably don't live in a region where you can get by with this if you live in the south we don't really get cold weather here there is no such thing as road salt if you live out west where arizona whatever you are probably fine with just about i mean i wouldn't buy the the bottom of line white box junk but right. any decent brand of rotor is going to work out just fine for you As long as they're true and they fit on there and all that, you're going to be pretty good off. Right. But the difference in a high-end rotor like an OEM rotor and the cheap stuff you buy is what they call the nickel content in that rotor. Because if you put a cheap cast iron rotor on a steel hub and you live in, say, northern Pennsylvania. Right. Pretty soon it's going to start rusting up. It is going to weld and fuse itself to that hub. And when you get ready to change it next time, you could be buying hubs and spindles and all kind of other stuff because corrosion is a huge, huge factor there. Big problem. You know, down here we just don't see that. People keep cars oh, for, forever. Forever. It is yeah. nothing. I mean, nothing to see a twenty year old car. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because they're not going right. to rust
0: away. I've got a twenty one year old vehicle now. Well, I'm still did. driving it. The yeah. body's in great shape. The frame's in great shape. There's no rust in it. Yeah. I mean. <laughs>
1: We they never, just we, don't happen down
0: here. We never see rusted-out brake lines. No. We never see rusted-out chassis, well, rusted-out bodies. The only time we see that is when we get a vehicle from up north. That's come from up north. And right. Somebody's and, and driven it down driven or it transported, it down. transported it down. Same thing if you're out west somewhere in, in the drier states. you know, sure. Arizona, New Mexico, all that. Even California is very moderate climate uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, especially in the south, southern end of it. So in, in those areas, you can get by with the less expensive rotors. But you got to know that when you're buying a rotor and the OEM rotor is say 80 bucks, 90 bucks, and you're buying one for 20 bucks. Something's not the same. Something ain't the same. (laughs) (laughs) May not be a problem for you depending on where Where you you live. Right. But again, if you're going to get rid of the car, that's one thing. The next guy will have the problem, but you got to keep that in mind. The corrosion resistance on these rotors, on cheap rotors, is not nearly what it is on the OEM rotors. Mm -hmm. So that can be a big, big problem. And you know, the, the days when you used to turn rotors are technically gone nowadays. Well, those days you had a rotor that was built to overspec. It
1: was more than the car actually needed. Well, it also had an incorporated hub bearing, bearing
0: hub in it. Very robust assembly. Bearings you had to pack and seal all the time. Um, they were expensive. They were. Because they were pretty robust. The, the rotors we got now are fairly inexpensive for the most part. They just slip on. Right. What I call a hat rotor. Yeah. And the thing is... One of those old rotors was probably sixty thousands above discard when it was new.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. That meant if you turn ten thousands off of it, you still had fifty on there to account for the wear and tear and what have you. But rotors today may be at discard when you buy them. Sure, at most they're ten to fifteen thousands above. You wear five to ten off on one set of pads, so you're already below discard. If you turn anything off of it, it's going to be too thin and they're warping even at full thickness cuz they're just sure. not heavy enough to start with. So if they're thinner, they're going to warp even even faster. Right. So we got to take our second quick little
6: break be right back yeah. with Lord. Yeah.
5: I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy, Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing, along with the piercing eagle claw technique, working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. <laughs> When you hear that, you know it's working. I
6: bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's General Inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance, so your car will perform for the long term.
5: One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know.
6: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Not
5: noise off
2: the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whistle. Welcome
6: back. just join us. Louis, your host
0: on the Automotive Hour. All right. <laughs> got Brian, our co host, sitting right here between the two of us, We'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. We really appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. And if you got a question or a comment, just give us a call. Our number is 291 6901. It just always makes our day when we get calls. So. That it does. Light those lines up. (laughs) Should
1: you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always get your questions answered on our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill
0: out the form, and send it on in. Hey, go! couldn't be any easier than that. We really appreciate it. We were talking a little bit about just brakes in general and Uh the fact that rotors really can't be turned or serviced your lady called me the other day y'all turn rotors Says, well not too often uh-huh. said, well, you don't have i said we've got three machines <laughs> sure <laughs> sure. the machine is not the problem you know it's, it's uh, the material just, we're working with yeah you just don't have enough there to do it and if you think about it with labor rates as high as they are in shops inexpensive as most rotors are it's probably not worth really turning the exactly. rotor. you're not going to end up with as good as you had before and you could probably pay at least two-thirds to three-quarters of the price by having one turn, and you just don't have anything when you're through. And as long as you're using a quality part,
1: you're a lot better off than than trying to turn one of those hat rotors. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, those tend to not turn very well anyway because with the design of it, it's fairly thin through the center, and it tends to flex, Yep. particularly trying to turn a warp out of it. The rotor just flexes on the lathe. Because uh, there's not enough there, particularly after you cut metal off of it. Sure. Yeah. And so you just can't get the warp you know, out of it. You wouldn't think by looking
1: at one that it, it actually moves around that much, yeah. but they do. Put
0: a dial indicator. And you take your thumb and push it. And you yeah. can move it four or 5,000. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely does. Let's go to our phone lines. we got John line. Good morning, John.
4: Uh, 2013 Suburban. Uh-huh. Right at 100,000 miles. No noises, no leaks, no issues. I change it. Mobile 1, 530 probably every month whether it needs it or not i okay. know I'm probably wasting money but that's well, okay anyway all sheep so uh, my question is that and right now it's under a warranty so it's sitting at the dealer right now mm-hmm. but my question is or my issue is is that a change in the oil pressure on the gauge okay, okay? and so um When it gets cold, when it you know when 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 the motor is cold or first startup, Mm -hmm. the oil pressure gauge used to be say sixty five percent of of the 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 range of the gauge. Right. I'm not sure what number that is. Okay. Now, now when it doesn't matter cold or whenever when on first startup, now it's probably about forty seven percent of the range of that gauge. Hmm. And then when you drive it, when you drive it, and then of course the hotter it gets. When you come to a stop, then the oil pressure on the gauge drops to just below twenty five percent. of the range of that gauge not good. Yeah, well now. And so I brought it. I brought it to the dealer, and they checked it out and did all their diagnostics. And they said that it was within spec.
2: Okay, that's all
4: well and good, right.
0: John, but it's not the same as it used to be. Okay, so see, some, saying something, something is within spec, that spec range is really really wide. But if you've got okay. a change, you got a problem. At very least, at very least, I would pull the all-pressure sender unit out
4: and test it. Well, that's what I I – I went by the dealership on Friday. I just walked in the back. Mm -hmm. I found it and actually talked to the technician. Mm -hmm. Great guy. And I was asking him some questions. He told me what he found. And then I I talked to him about – I said, do you think the screen could be plugged under the sensor? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you know, and so – and then that afternoon, the guy from the, the service manager called me, and he said, oh, "Mr. Durham, we're going to change that sensor in that screen just to see what's going on."
0: Well, it makes sense. So and,
4: tr- I, okay, but now, now let me ask you: now this is this is a, another question that I have. So the the oil filter that I've used that I'm using now is a forty seven E. That's what it calls. All right? Didn't that used to be a forty eight? Wasn't that a different no, number? No.
1: No. Wait a minute. No. You, you're not using a forty seven on a thirteen. You're using a forty eight.
4: No, when I went to go pick up my filters, it told me forty-seven e six V eight. No, it's
1: a five
4: point
1: three V eight, five point three. 5.3. I believe forty-seven is wrong. Forty-seven was on the V six. Yeah, on the V six, the newer ones take a forty-eight,
0: eight and up. I think take a forty-eight filter.
1: Forty-seven will not physically
0: fit. Yeah, I, I doubt that would cause a major issue. Although it's not truly the right filter for the vehicle i don't think it would cause a problem i
1: think i think what you're what you're alluding to is they had a 61 or 63 that came on the later models which was a little longer but it had a different valving in it for the displacement on demand
4: right right
1: that's the two filters that are interchangeable as far as physically but they shouldn't be interchanged gm actually came out with a bulletin stating that fact. Yeah. Because it has a different valving inside it that controls the oil pressure to the upper end differently right. than, the right. mo- than the other than uh, the other 53 did. Right. But if something has changed yeah. in the in the gauge, I would first look at the sending unit because they have had yeah. tremendous amount Why of of problems,
0: that and the screens
1: and the screen and the pigtail. Okay. The, the sending unit okay. will actually rupture and it will force oil back out of the electrical connection at the top. Get on the pigtail and swell the pig that, swells that rubber
0: up so right. it doesn't fit tight
4: Well, I anymore. know, I know it, at this time right now, there are no leaks on that motor anywhere. It mm-hmm. is super dry. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's not that, but I know it's not leaking right yeah, now. You
0: you might not see okay. it. You know, just a couple of drops of oil coming out that pigtail is going to swell the rubber, but it's not ever going to hit the ground. It would have to cover okay. the whole back of the motor and the top of the transmission before it's going to get to the ground. But okay. I would certainly okay. check that. I mean, that is so drop-dead cheap compared yeah. to the other alternative. And, I mean, GM's actually got an adapter you can put between the oil filter and the engine block, and you can screw an oil pressure gauge. You can see what the actual oil pressure is. Manually. Manually. So I would confirm the oil pressure, but if the oil pressure has changed that significantly, that, to yeah. me, is an issue. Yeah. And when yeah. they say within spec, I mean, basically, GM says if it has 10, 10 PSI per 1,000 RPM, that's acceptable. Sure.
4: But if you used that's, to have… That's a wide range. It, it is. is. But it if is. you had
0: yeah. 45, 50 pounds at an idle before, and now you got… 10 pounds something's, something's going on there man you know either, either the oil yeah. pressure
1: has changed or the signal going to the gauge has changed
0: right. so verify so manually just, yeah and if, you, go if you're under warranty particularly you want i would say i want to have a manual gauge put on this engine and i want well, to see they, what the oil pressure is
4: well now I, I haven't seen the write-up but he told me the mechanic said that they did that
0: okay, okay. Did well good
4: just get they that a manual now sure.
0: And if Did the they, pressure's really 40 PSI and it's reading 10, then that's no big deal. We go after a, a sitting right. unit or something like I'm, that. I'm
4: okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just an instrumentation issue. Correct, so, right. So then let me ask you this. Let's go worst-case scenario. Let's say I go pick this Suburban up on Monday and there's no change. What What would be the next step?
2: Well,
0: I mean, you're going to have to probably take it back to them or whomever it works with and say, hey, my all pressure's gone way down now may not be willing to do anything as long as it's within a spec until it causes a problem. That's just kind of the way extended warranty companies work. And, and they're one of the better right. ones. But still, you just gonna have to drive it until you start to get, I mean, if, if it's dropped that much, you can start to get some noise out of it pretty soon. You can start to have some other issues with it. And when that happens, I mean, it's going to be a matter of replacing the engine.
4: Right, exactly. And I, I don't want to get to that point. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm trying
0: to head that off. Yeah, you, you so, may or may not be able to. You're dealing with somebody else paying the bill, so they're going to have to say. You know, they got the checkbook and right. you got a broke vehicle. You're going to do what they say. <laughs> you know, that's one reason I hate extended warranty companies. I just, you know, I just assume not fool with them, but, you know, that's a whole well, other story. It's, uh,
4: I, I, it saved me a ton of money yeah. already, the well, warranty. That's
0: good. And, you know, some you people know. go in the casino and they hit a bunch of money that's and they walk it. out and, man, they just say, that's great. The they're giving money away. That's the best <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> but most people lose <laughs> las yeah, vegas, right. wasn't, las vegas right.
4: wasn't built by the winners
0: yeah that's a fact
4: <laughs> okay so so let me go back to the oil filter issues
0: okay, i got three other people holding john uh watch send me an email i'll be glad to go over it with you
4: will do thanks, thanks so
0: man bye-bye all right we're going back to our phone lines we've got wallace online good morning
4: wallace good morning lewis yes sir um, this is off subject for everything you've talked about today so okay. far good <laughs> but I'm interested right now in how the technology on our headlights has changed through the years. I mean, I started driving, there are steel beams, and then you had the elements you put in, mm-hmm. and now they're LED. Right. Um, they're dependable, and um, I've heard you talk before with some of these cars with the, what is it, the pearl strand, the pearl necklace or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. yeah. Throw out. Hold on, because it is expensive, not just for the part. The part is expensive, but to yep. change it. You've got to take the bumper off. Yeah, off. a lot of yep. times you
0: do. They they yep. have some just absolutely crazy lighting thing. It's being driven by style more than functionality, I think. The problem is, Wallace, you got a lot of really expensive components in there. They tend to hold up okay. I mean, we don't see a lot, lot of trouble out of them. We do get the odd vehicle where they're having trouble with lights burning out because they use too high of an intensity or whatever. We don't see a tremendous amount of problems other than the fact that when they go out, it's, it's expensive. It's real big. And if you try to go with the aftermarket ones, those are absolute junk. A lot of times they don't even, the reflectors in them aren't good enough. They don't put out the right amount of light. They, you can't aim them. There's all kinds of issues with that. So yeah, if overall lowest cost is the guy, I wouldn't go with a car that had that kind of light on it. But more and more, you just don't have a choice.
1: Right. I mean, most of, most of the vehicles now you, you can't buy one without it. It's the way they're built now. And But, but like the but lighting. Like
4: that camera you got last year, is that LED lighting or for the headlight itself?
1: You know, I have never looked.
0: Uh, so, I, far they're, they're, so far, they're still working. They're so still working. Don't
4: know. I got, got 7,000 yeah. miles on them. <laughs> I've never
0: been in there. But, uh, you know, it's a fairly simple. It's got a replaceable bulb, and I do know that. And I don't know what. Okay. But, you know, it's probably a $40, $50 bulb as opposed to an $18 bulb we used to have. But. You know, if it lasts 100,000 miles, I'll be happy. I'll put two more bulbs in it, but right. But it's, it's not yeah. like the ones with all the little doodads going all around a circle around the light and all that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, I've heard you talk about the driver's farm and stuff oh, yeah. like that that mm-hmm. are super expensive. So. Okay, well, that kind of answers my question.
0: Okay, Miss Wallace, you. thank you. All Bye-bye. right.
4: All right. Bye-bye. Let's
0: see if we can sneak one more in before the break. we got Caleb on the line. Good morning, Caleb.
8: Hey there. I have a question about a 2003 Ford F-150 with 4.6-liter okay. V8.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: It threw a code for the idle air control valve, and it was stumbling real bad mm-hmm. at idle, Okay, fluctuating from about 500 RPMs up to 1,500. Um, so I've got it in here now. Uh, the, the codes for it were bad connection at the idle air control valve, blah, 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 blah. So I figured I'd go ahead and change that out. And I also want to clean the throttle body, so I picked up a can of that throttle body cleaner that mm-hmm. you just uh-huh. you open the throttle body, of crack, there's a valve, of crack, and run it at about 2,000 RPM and just spray it in there.
0: No, I wouldn't do then, that. You want to take yeah, the throttle body 100. off the vehicle to clean it. Uh, you don't want that carbon and junk going down into the motor, for one thing, and... You know, I I would remove the throttle by... It's pretty easy to get off. Yeah, a couple bolts. Three or four bolts in it, and, you know, pop that off and then spray it good, and that way you can kind of blow it out with some compressed air or something. You don't have to worry about anything getting into the engine.
8: Okay. To clean, like... I'm looking at the back of this throttle plate, and it's pretty gunked up. Yeah, it will be. carbon, so I'm just thinking to clean, like, the valves and everything downstream. I know I can... I'll take the throttle, the valve off and clean that, but to clean... You know, the actual top end of the engine, would it be wise to spray this stuff in there? I know additive. I
0: are- wouldn't because it doesn't no. hurt a thing. And if you start breaking that stuff up, it's going somewhere and it's going to go down into the engine where it shouldn't be. That chemical can, you know, mess with the rings and stuff in the engine. And then, worst off, eventually it's blowing out into your catalytic converter. So I think you're creating a much, much bigger problem than you're solving. You know, if uh, you're getting I'm, a lot of buildup in there, you might change to a different grade of gasoline, something with a little more detergent That's the safest way to clean it. Uh, so go up like in octane range? You don't say? have to go up an octane range. Just make sure you're using a name brand fuel. I know a lot of people use the big box store fuels and all. And, you know, I'm not going to get into discussion of all that, but uh-huh. the, the non-name brand fuels generally have the federally mandated amount of detergent in them, whereas some of your name brand stuff has more. So okay. I would try a few tankfuls of a good name brand fuel. You don't have to necessarily go up in octane, because octane doesn't have anything. All that is more octane has been added to hand, you know, deal with compression issues, which you don't have. But yeah, right. a good high end fuel, run a few tanks of that through there, and that's gonna do way more good, way safer than anything else.
8: All right. Well, I'm I'm glad I called. Thank you so
0: much. Okay, man. Thanks for the call. Bye bye, bye bye. Thank you. All right, we're going to take
6: our third quick little break. Be right back. We'll Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned firework standoff Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds.
5: Well, that's
6: oddly specific.
5: It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at AGCO Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with AGCO's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what
6: kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok?
5: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech and general manager, Mr. Brian Carey, right here by my side. So between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you just call 291-6901. Still got a few minutes left in the show get you an or whatever you might have just a few so got to make it quick yeah you got to make it quick <laughs> <laughs> you know we were talking to the last gentleman and i i recommended to him using name brand fuel uh-huh. and the first thing that i always get when i recommend that people who are advocate users of big box store fuels or x brand x name brand fuel i said well you know it all comes out of the same refinery and that is true right but you know all pastries come out of the same bakery but you've got many, many different patients. And they may all be combinations of flour and sugar and eggs and butter. Sure. But you have dozens, if not hundreds, of different products. Same thing with gasoline. It may come out of one refinery, but it's made to a certain specification. And if that specification is, okay, we want the cheapest gas we can sell, they're going to put, because detergents the are minimum. very expensive. The federal government mandates X amount be in there.
1: And that's what gets You're put. getting
0: the minimum required by the federal government correct there's other products that they put into gasoline that makes it more useful and this is the things you get in the name brands i can tell you i have i've got two vehicles right. neither one of them gets anything but name brand fuel in emergency one time i did put some uh-huh. x brand th- yeah it's the only oh. thing i could get and i was about to run out of gas so that was unusual for me was having to be caught in the panhandle floor uh-huh. they don't have that many gas stations and I tell you what, I noticed my fuel mileage went down about two miles to the gallon sure. immediately. Sure. And maybe it's psychological, but it just didn't seem like the car ran as well. I couldn't wait to get a new tank yeah, of good more. fresh fuel in there. You know, It's like the human body or, or even your pets and all. More and more, they're finding out nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Exactly. More and more things they're finding out are caused by poor nutrition or poor quality foods we put into our body. It's exactly the same thing with your car. If you put an inferior grade of fuel or oil or antifreeze, you're You're going to have have some ramifications. Your very, very best insurance is spend a couple dollars more and get the good stuff. And really, it's so much little. uh, There's very little difference. Let's say you pay an extra nickel for the name brand fuel. You got 20-gallon tank, which is a pretty big tank these days. You spend an extra buck. Right. Now, I can tell you, of all the cars we've ever seen come into the shop and have a major fuel system problem let's say the injectors are plugged up let's say the fuel pump went out prematurely let's say the fuel tank was rusted up i have never one time ever asked the customer what kind of fuel you use and heard exxon mobil or shell or british petroleum i've never heard that it's always well xyz or this department store or that one or this mart or that mart or whatever right It's always, always. And I know that's not scientific evidence, but that is just enough to convince me that. And and like you were saying earlier, for what little difference it makes in the price. You know, you don't always get what you pay for in life, but you absolutely never get more than you pay for. I love that statement. (laughs) That that is a great statement. I mean, if you think about it, that says a whole, whole lot. Yes, it does. You don't always get what you pay for, but you never get more than you pay for. (laughs) (laughs) And that is true of lubricants. That is true of fuel. It's true of all those things. Yeah, it is i tell you, I see we're just about out of time. I want to thank everybody who called in today live. We really appreciate the live calls. I'd like to thank all our podca- podcasters for listening this
1: week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be.
0: Find a written review and fill it out for us, please. Hey, go. When you fill those written reviews out, it moves us up in the rankings so that when people type in a generic term, like, say, auto repair, we come up close to the top of the list. Sure. Obviously, those that are close to the top of the list are going to get clicked on a lot more. So more people listen to the show, ratings go up, Mm -hmm. and all more pod services will handle our show, and people here at the station won't kick us off the air. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, pre was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.